It's the final hour of the Morning Blitz with Rick Corey. Brought to you by Chris Nickel Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram. We want you to get involved right now on the Neuropathy Clinic of Oklahoma text line at 918-262-5072. Or on the phone line at 918-879-1170. 7.56 on the Blitz 11.70. I have finally learned my lesson to keep my mouth shut during that. That is Bryce Hall smiling in the next room with his PGA hat. I'm Rick Corey in here, and on our phone line is our friend Teddy Owens from out in Hall and Hall. It is high school tournament time. You know, first of all, Teddy, I appreciate you coming back on. You're always very accommodating, and, I, and I'm and i very grateful. But I've called playoff basketball in high school an absolute meat grinder, and it is. Your team playing very well, and you get through that first weekend. How is everybody's health holding up? Oh, it, it, it's a grind. It's a grind. But when, when you win on Friday and you can just lay in a beanbag like <laughs> half the day on Saturday, it's so much better. Um I feel I feel for some of the teams and 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 I guarantee that they're happy to be there and still playing. Sure. But the teams that got to come back and play three games this week in the in the lower classifications, I mean it just it gets it gets brutal. But you'd rather be playing right now. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, your team won easily over Pryor, and then you beat uh, Kawita sixty nine to twenty eight. So obviously not a real stretch and strain right there. Question on that one is, you know, you want to stay at a real peak level. You won two games very easily. Does that ever take a little edge off the peak? How do you work that? No, you know what? I was just talking to uh, one of my guys, Rashad Wright, who's been uh, with us for six years now. And we were just talking just, you know, we're so locked in on ourselves and not really worried about anybody else um, that you just, you stay, you try to stay as focused as possible and don't do anything different. And our guys were just so locked in against a really good Kawita team. Who, who's got a coach, Matt Watson, who I just think the world of. And we're up 27-8 to eight, um, in the first quarter, just firing on all cylinders. And, um, so I, I, that result looked a lot worse than what it really, what it really was. We were, just, we were hitting everything, and, and our guys were just playing with incredible energy. But we're really locked in right now. Oh, I mean, in other words, you're you're still very very pleased, and that's. I just think that can be hard to do, you know, with sometimes with easy wins. And I know guys realize it's going to get harder, and it will as you move on. Right now, as a matter of fact, you look over in the in the brackets here. You guys move on to take on Collinsville, who has been pretty impressive themselves. I mean, it's not easy to go beat Tulsa Memorial. What do you see with the Cardinals? No, and Memorial's playing really good basketball right now. You know, the Cardinals, um, Collinsville's so good. One. Um, Todd Anderson does a great job with them, um, and he's got them playing really good basketball. You know, they've only had they've only had a few losses, and and um, one of those was to, uh, Tahlequah early on when when they were full strength, and then uh, to Booker T, who's who's as good as anybody in the state. Um, they're going to be really tough. Just they've got a six nine uh, big man and Zach Brown, and and the guards the guards have an identity. You know, they know what they want to do. They're they're not just don't take reckless shots. Um, they're they're a program, um, and so it's going to be tough. But but I love our guys. You know, when you play a guy, someone first of all, a guy who's six nine, you say, which is in college, in high school basketball is a pretty good sized dude. When you play someone like that who's who's very skilled, I mean, you if you've got a guy who happens to be that that tall, that's great. You can replicate in that practice. When you don't, how do you work that? Uh, we stack people on top of each other, so we'll take our smallest guy today and put him on another guy's shoulders, like Ollie and Hoosiers, and and it's 
we're we're not going to be as versatile as he is, but it, you can't you can't replicate it. Um, if we can go find a guy, we, I mean, we might call we might call um, <laughs> one of our guys' parents to see if like he knows somebody who can come into practice for yeah. a few days. But you you can't replicate that. Um, you, you can try to be as physical as them, um, but you can't replicate the size. And the ability. That's what I wondered. I wondered if, if literally you, you could. I mean, you get a guy. I know one coach in high school at one time, there was a guy who worked in the cleanup crew in the high school, and he was 6'10". He'd been a former high school player, and they would occasionally drag him in the gym, and he would, and then they, and he loved it, and he would get in there, and he would practice, and he would kind of do that. And I've seen guys do it with brooms, that kind of thing. When you when you are talking about something that's an inordinate like that, I've seen coaches go to extremes. So hey, you know what? You can joke about that. I wouldn't be surprised if you put Ollie up on top. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've got I've got Rashad Wright on staff, who who's about six foot four, yep. six foot. I better call him six foot five. Everybody wants to be boosted in height. Yeah. Um, but he played he played in the NBA and had a long career overseas. Um, so he might be our guy this week. Yeah, I would imagine that would help. You know, when you're when you're trying to keep your team, and I asked you this last year at a peak level. And again, we're talking to Teddy Owens from Holland Hall as we've reached a tournament time. When you're trying to keep your your team at a peak, but you have these gaps in between, they've done it before. Most of them, still, to me, that's not easy. Do you have a philosophy? It's you know what we um, first of all, they've got such. So many of our kids play football, and they've got such a long football season. They come in on the weekends and they lift and they watch film. We've been really good about giving them off the weekends and not doing anything on the weekends. Just kind of let them be kids a little bit because it, it gets to be such a long season, especially if you're a multi-sport kid and you go back-to-back seasons. So like this weekend, we took the whole weekend off. Today we'll lift um, and we'll shoot, and that'll be it. And we'll, we'll probably we'll shoot and run a little bit with our shooting. Um, but I want their legs fresh mm-hmm. and our kids have been so mature about no matter the competition, they've stepped up to it. It doesn't matter who we're playing. So I, I really trust them. Um, and if they were to come to me and say, coach, we need to have a tougher practice, we do it, but they've handled everything so, so well this year. Holland Hall's coach Teddy Owens with us here on the Blitz 1170-802 on a Monday drive to work. Rick Corey with Bryce Hulse. Coach, you've held your last two opponents to under 30 points. Uh, you've always had a good defensive team, but just uh, in this playoff stretch, have you noticed a difference in maybe attitude or have you changed some things up philosophically on the defensive end? What's been going on? No, you know, we usually do what we do, um, and we don't change it up a whole lot. But when you got five guys who all are bringing energy, um, it's special. And so I'm looking out there after the first possession – um, we kind of scouted what they would do, and we knew we could get an open three on the opposite side. And Julius Wilson, our stud sophomore, skips it to Carter Benton, who's averaging 24 as a senior. Um, he hits a three. And then Kanan Gibson, who is our, is our best um, defender, is clapping the whole possession, next possession. I mean, just nonstop energy. Um, and so when you see your guys do that on film, when you see that live, you're like, okay, we got something. And that's, you know, that's, that's half the battle or more than the battle is you, your guys just bringing energy and great attitude and great effort, and we're winning that battle every game. Is there a surprise for you? I mean, you look over here in the, in the area tournament, you, you know, it's still a pretty good bracket. You guys have Collins Hills, you mentioned, Rogers and Sepulpa, Edison and Washington, East Central Memorial. Any surprises in there for you? No, you know, all the, all the top four teams on both sides of the, the east side 
um, advanced um, to without losing. So it, it, it stacked up like it should have. Um, but on the west side, you know, you got you've got El Reno mm-hmm. and crossings, and you know, there's someone from the west side who um, is a really good team who isn't going to make it to state. And so I think I think five A. Um, is really loaded this year, and you look now to as I said, get in there, and you're gonna you got Collinsville, so you got to go pay attention to that one. But then when you look at the other teams uh, that I just mentioned, is anybody jump out as a really difficult matchup for your team specifically? Um, no, you know what? I, I just I, I just how we're playing right now. Um, I want to play anybody and everybody. No, we went we went to the Deer Creek tournament and we played. Uh, Julius Wilson was hurt with an ankle injury at the time, but we played Deer Creek and and we're up ten on Deer Creek um, with about four minutes to go, and we just kind of ran out of gas. And we would have played Midwest City, who I really want to play um, because I think Tori Noel um, does a really good job with them in his first year at Midwest City. And so you know, I I want to play I, I want to play the best. Whoever's the best, that's who I want to play. Yeah. And it doesn't really matter who our matchups are in state. Um, Booker T, Midwest City Crossings, Carl Albert, um, and, I, and and if we ended up playing Edison again, um, we lost to them without Julius. I want to play Edison again. <laughs> well, and that's the great thing is you, you, if you get the coach with that kind of attitude, you're going to have players with that kind of attitude as well, and that that helps an awful lot. Do you you know I know you get excited this time of year. You have to get excited. If if you didn't, you wouldn't be doing this job. Do you find any ways during the middle of the week to keep yourself from peaking a little too early? Uh, you know what? I, I've got I've got two boys who are both in in sports, and so um, my one of my oldest sons decided to he was going to play baseball this year, and so just kind of peeking in on him and and seeing him, and it, it's weird when we start the season, um, it's dark outside when you leave the gym, and now it's bright outside, mm-hmm. and so kind of a realization um, that hey, it's coming to an end. So it just kind to me, it refocuses you. Um, you know, I was able to get outside a little bit and just sit outside and watch my son shoot on the basket yesterday. Um, but, and, and it, you know, you feel special because you do have some buddies who aren't playing right now. Um, you want to give your guys everything you can at the end of the season. Yeah. You, okay. So you answered my, my last question I was going to say, so what'd you do? What'd you watch while you were in the beanbag? (laughs) I I didn't, I just, I sat there in the beanbag and my (laughs) wife somehow Somehow, and this never happens. She said, "I'm going to let him. I'm going to let him sleep there for about 30 minutes." <laughs> and so I just, I woke up, um, just chilled, had a cup of coffee, um, and then, and then a little bit later, I was sound asleep. There you go. There, you, that sounds like a good weekend. And then there's that point where you have to. It starts to gnaw at you. You're like, I better go look at some film or something along those lines. You can't help. But had to it, do a little bit. Yeah, but there's such. There was. It was also such a good weekend. We had such good college basketball. And we had a lot of things to pay attention to. Easy to get that distracted, but especially when you got kids to distract you there. Well, I hope you get a chance to get in the beanbag again after this next weekend. You're always gracious enough to join us, and I appreciate it. Say hi to your dad for me, will you? I'll do it. I appreciate all you guys do. You betcha. Thanks, Teddy. That is Teddy Owens from Holland Hall. His team, as we said, moving on. We, As I said, we've got Memorial in East Central on one side of the bracket. We've got uh, Booker T. and Edison. We have Sepulpa, Will Rogers, and Holland Hall. Collinsville still alive. We'll get into some of those five A's as well. It's 807 here on the Blitz 1170. That is Bryce Hulse. I am Rick Corey. We'll take your text at 918-262-5072. That's the Neuropathy Treatment Clinic of Oklahoma text line. Asking Oklahoma State and Oklahoma fans, 
you know, as we are nearing the end of the season, what is it you really want to see? What would satisfy you for your team at the end of the year? And that's, I know it's going to be a little bit of a different question for everybody, but, you know, there was a time during the year with Oklahoma State that I don't think anybody expected them to win two in a row as they had and to play Bedlam this close. And it was a fantastic basketball game that, quite honestly, if it's not for one very well-guarded fall-away three, they win the game with, you know, the front end of one one and one free throw, and either they tie the game or they still have a chance to win. So many things that lead you to believe this Oklahoma State team's trending upward, and we know Oklahoma's been good most of the year, at times better than others, but still good most of the year, and a resilient group. So what would you be satisfied with as we come down the stretch and get into the tournament? I'd like to know that. Uh, also, I had some other things we we're going to get into. If you hadn't seen Rick Pitino over the weekend, I've got some uh, some other interesting notes that we'll get to, too, that are that are fun along here. And then if you have a way in your mind, because I think court storming at this point has got to end. It has to end or it has to be controlled somehow. Let us know because right now I don't have a single text about it. And when it comes to storming fields and, and courts, I don't want to take away the joy that college kids, you know, and, and people who are fans get. I'm okay with that. But I think there has to be a guardrail to help make sure that we don't have problems like we've had with Kate and Clark and Filipowski this year at Duke. So I'd like to have, if you've got a way, when we threw out one idea, you let us know what you think at 918-262-5072 here on The Blitz. The Blitz 1170, your new home for Dan Patrick. From the Oklahoma Sports Desk, it's time for a two-minute drill on The Blitz 1170 and streaming on The Blitz 1170 app. The Oklahoma City Thunder ran past the Houston Rockets 123-110 to last night. Shea Gilgis-Alexander led the Thunder with 36 points. Chet Holmgren added 29. This is the Thunder's fifth straight win, and it moves them to a tie with Minnesota for first place in the West. The final Bedlam basketball game for the foreseeable future did not disappoint as the Sooners beat the Cowboys in an OT Classic 84-82. The Cowboys had three players with 20 points, Small and Williams with 21 and Eric Daly with 20. OU had five players in double figures, led by Rivaldo Soares, who had 20 off the bench. But it was Javion McCollum with a buzzer-beating dagger three to end it. That's the window world of Tulsa 2-Minute Drill. I'm Bryce Hulse on the Butts 1170 and streaming on the Butts 1170 app. up your mornings. This is the Morning Blitz with Rick Corey. Want to get in the game? You can always join in by texting us at 918-262-5072. That is our OP treatment of Oklahoma text line, and we would love to have you on it at just any time. 918-262-5072. You know, the other thing I need to ask uh, on our treatment text line, and we're asking about OSU and OU, and I have a, re- a, a actually disappointing number of responses here about that. I don't know. I do you get the feeling, Bryce, Bryce also in the next room, that fans of both teams don't expect much in the tournament? I mean, there might be a scenario where both teams have already made up, or both fans, sets of fans have already made up their minds about these teams. Uh, I think that even with OSU and how how much progress they've made, people don't really expect much because still, when you're looking at a scenario for them in the tournament, it's going to be that first game against you know, West Virginia or Cincinnati, somebody like that. And then it's just whoever wins that immediately gets thrown into the fire against mm-hmm. the Iowa State or a Kansas, just yeah. how that tournament lays out. So maybe maybe that's what people 
are kind of thinking about it is because it's like, well, you might get one. And then at that point, it's just whoever gets to lose to Kansas or Iowa State or, or Houston, for that matter. Well, and he, of of the teams, of the, the KU, the Houston, the Iowa States, Houston's one, to me, that, that's the scariest. Kansas should be, but they've just been all over the place. Houston's been mm-hmm. more consistent in my eyes. Uh, yeah. And that's just me. I mean, you can certainly disagree with me. I'd love to have you do it. Well, and as for OU, I, I don't see, you know, I, I think I think a lot of people probably are concerned about them in bigger matchups. You know, obviously mm-hmm. against OSU, you know, that was a very tough environment. But, you know, OU on paper is the better team than, than OSU is. So I feel like some OU fans maybe are kind of in the same boat in a way that they've probably just made up their mind about the way OU can compete against teams that they're supposed to beat mm-hmm. and then how they usually fare against the Kansases and Houstons of the world. And if you if you were to point out if you were to point out a thing that let's say Oklahoma because on paper they are the better team. If there was one player you could give them or if you could put together one player and give that give that to them and say this makes a difference for them to have an opportun- a better opportunity against the Houstons, the Kansas, the Iowa States of the world, what would it be? I have the obvious answer there is Javion McCollum, but I would say Jalen Moore. Um, Jalen Moore is a guy that has been able to rack up some points here and there, but I think on the boards, I mean, he had 14 rebounds in Bedlam, and he had about almost half of those in the first 10 minutes. Uh, I think Jalen Moore is a guy that brings some toughness, a lot of second-chance opportunities. And then I'll give Rivaldo Soares some love because he's a guy that comes off the bench, was was kind of quiet earlier in his career at OU. Uh, this is his first year coming from Oregon. I think that he has been able to provide a really big spark, a guy that can take a lot of the brunt uh, of the bench production. But if you, and my point though, and I'm not talking about one of their players, if you could take, what do they need? Do they need a who's, who's six, they need? nine okay. shooting uh, forward? I mean, everybody needs, we know what they have, and we know okay. when they play their best, they're pretty good. Yeah. What would put them over the top? What would give them a better chance? Is it, I mean, some people need guard play. Some people need a guy in the middle. What do you think they need to actually be that plug? I, and then we'll move to Oklahoma State. Yeah, I think I think they're good at guard play, and I think they have bigs that can produce when they're not uh, in foul trouble. Probably a guy that, I, I mean, kind of like you were saying, maybe like a six seven, six eight forward, somebody that can stretch the floor and actually kind of have the offense run through them a little bit. That is a, a bigger guy, a bigger frame. I don't really think they have much of that uh, offensively in terms of bigs or even like a, a stretch forward or anything. Yeah. I think they have pretty good guard play, and obviously Javion McCollum is one of those guys that is able to make big plays and big moments. But in terms of, yeah, a guy that could push them over the edge a little bit, I would say maybe a bigger offensive weapon would be a, something that OU's lacking. It, yeah, because it seems, you know, a lot of times you'll tune into a team, and if there's only one really good player on a team, you hear consistently that dude is the number one scorer. You tune into Tulsa, and it's going to probably be P.J. Haggerty. Now, it wasn't this weekend. Garcia had a great game and uh, against Charlotte, maybe partially because that's his old team. He may know them better. He may be more, more motivated. Who that's knows why? More emotion, right? Yeah, who knows? But for whatever reason, it was him. Uh, but you can generally look at Tulsa and say it's going to be P.J. Haggerty. Uh, you know, at Oklahoma, you've they've been all over. You've had Soares, you've had you've had you know 
uh, Oweka Ote. I mean, you've oh, had yeah, you've yeah, had, been good. yeah, Owe, pardon me. You've had different people jump up and be leading scores, which is cool too, because mm-hmm. then you can't just focus on one guy. But it it also leads you to believe that you you know it's almost like having two quarterbacks, right? <laughs> yeah. Is you think to yourself, well, would it be nice if we had the one guy that would take everybody's attention? But then, you know, you see McCollum and he talks about, well, he's a great scorer and he obviously is. I and mean, he got, you know, cut off trying to get to the basket. So he just steps back and knocks down the three like it's no big deal. Yeah, that, that's, you know, just to go back earlier when I said how I got that text from a friend mm-hmm. um, because I was behind on watching that final possession that said one coach called a timeout with 13 seconds left. One didn't, you know, with Mosier, I like the idea of him calling that timeout. I like the logic of it. But and he was able to explain this a little bit more, so mm-hmm. I, I give him that. You know, he explained how uh, McCollum was cut off. You know, they mm-hmm. wanted to go downhill with him, and OC did a pretty good job of cutting him off there. That, that's one of those plays that was all JV on McCollum yep. at the end of the day. Uh, you know, that's one that if he misses that, OU fans are probably thinking, out of a timeout, really? You know, that's what happens. So it's it's kind of funny to me how I, I will kind of cut Boynton some slack there. Is that that's one of those plays that was all McCollum. And if it goes wrong, OU fans would be doing what OSU fans have felt like they've been doing a lot this year, which is really out of a timeout, that's the thing that happens. That's the draw up. So I, I did kind of think it was funny there, even though, again, I understand the idea of Mosier calling a timeout and he was able to explain what they were trying to do. But I just think it's funny how it can change so much. Just a, a oh, yeah. matter of that shot going in or not, exactly how you feel about that situation. Well, so. and he said, Moser said post game, look, we we had three options, and but the one we wanted was for him to get downhill to the rim, and they just took it away, and he just made a really, really good shot that probably eight out of ten times defended like that, he probably wouldn't hit. I say yeah. probably. I mean, it's it's hard to say, but that was a fairly well defended shot, and he was fading away. He was really mm-hmm. close to the line. Now, if you watch that in slow motion, man, he was focused. So, I mean, mm-hmm. he did he did his job. There's no doubt about that. But if you talk about even look at the possession before, where you got Oklahoma State got Javon Small to the free throw line, and he, you know Mike Boynton said you know in there when they talked about that play, they they had three or four options there. That's what you do in a huddle now. We as fans... It has to work out differently on the court. Yeah, right. We as fans many times will just see that, and then it's what you said. Really out of a timeout, we don't know most of what went on in that huddle and how many different things they talked about, which Mm -hmm. can be a problem, too, because, you know, look, if these guys have worked on the same things all year long, then you understand that they can absorb a lot of information in that moment. But you can also think to yourself, God, if you give them like five options and they've only got four seconds, then you just confuse the hell out of five guys on the court trying to make one thing happen good. It's a lot of check downs to run through, right, in that four seconds? Yeah, it is. And you should be able to do most of that just boom because you've been doing it all year. But let's be honest, not everybody handles that the same way. No. Uh, So, uh, yeah, I just thought that there'd be people who would really had ideas about what they wanted out of their teams at this time of the year. And I think what we've kind of determined it for Oklahoma state, I'm not sure where we go with Oklahoma on this one yet. Cause I, I'm, I'm still not sure how good they are. <laughs> I mean, I'd like to know some the the year, but I right? just don't. Yeah. I think that's the, that's the thing about OU is they're in that middle of the pack range in the big 12 conference. That is just so hard to tell about some of the, the feats they're able to reach. And then they've gone on some disappointing runs. It's, it's just kind of an odd time, but uh, certainly you, you take that position over others, I think, when you're playing in the toughest conference in America mm-hmm. uh, to at least have NCAA tournament security 
I, I think that's uh, what's really important right now for them is through all the uh, ambiguity of it's it's mm-hmm. having security that no to know that you're in the tournament and to know you'll have a chance and that in the big dance come late March. Yeah, and then you know at this point in the year when you are someone who has played and by the way you're listening to the Blitz 1170, he's Bryce Hall, so I'm Rick Corey. You get to this point in the tournament or this point in the year and you played a lot of basketball against a lot of people and you kind of think you know who you are and you do know that when you go to the tournament, sure everybody has a chance. I mean, ask the Belmonts of the world, you know, everybody mm-hmm. has a chance. Ask, you know, Coastal Carolina, ask Florida Atlantic. Everybody has a chance. But once you get there, those runs or those individual games are fairly magical, and you kind of figure if we can get a couple out of it, we're okay. Uh, then, then again, we start talking about expectations. And for Oklahoma State, it's just, hey, look, let's just do what we can do at the end of the year. Oklahoma probably has a little bit of a different thought, wouldn't you think? Yeah, I think so. I think that it's definitely two different uh, mindsets on on how you're trying to play out the season and again when you're OU you're probably looking at a 10 or 11 seed as of right now mm-hmm. uh, that's that's an interesting spot to be in and especially considering when you have a guy like Javion McCollum who can step up in big moments when you're playing day-to-day like that and have a chance to find a, a better team slipping up I mean, that's certainly a guy you want to have on your side. Well, there's where you, too, when you start talking about chances for the NCAA, you, you're able to make the, make the tournament. Then you start looking at seedings and who do you end up, where do you end up, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, what, what kind of a bracket do you get? And most of the time, if you look at Ken, if you look at the, the bracketology from Lenardi, who's ridiculously right most of the time, <laughs> he's had it adjusted. I saw him make, I don't know, what, five adjustments over the weekend and yeah. following just on Twitter and social media. And you watch those teams. And, of course, right now what you're really watching is last four in, last four out, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah, last four buys. But And you start seeing those and seeing how they can wildly swing and change, too. All it takes is one team to have a really good game or a really poor game. And, I mean, it starts to it starts to change pretty quickly. So then you ask yourself, where, where do you get put out? So that's why this time of year, what is it I saw? We're 21 days from Selection Sunday as or yesterday or something like that. That sounds about right. Isn't that about right? Yeah. Uh, all that all that in college basketball. We've got some response here, and Byron is responding at 918-262-5072 on my court storming question. And I want to I want to get to that, Byron, but I want to do it right after the break because I think it deserves a little bit more time. Because my point was we we've got to find a way to end this in its current state. And I don't think I stated that very well. And and Byron had a question, and I've already interacted with him just there, but I'll do it online as well. But I also want you guys, or on the air as well, I want you guys to, ju- to jump in here as well. 918-262-5072. I want you in, in this as well. Where and how, but not where, how do we put an end to this? How do we end up in a situation where players don't get potentially hurt, like Filipowski and Caitlin Clark, even though it looks like both those are fairly minor? Or we get to the point which, you know, can happen where an athlete gets or feels threatened and he, they hurt someone. Mm-hmm. And, and Byron makes a really good point and then asks, I respond and he asks me another question, which I will get to in a minute. Uh, but I want your, uh, your response as well. Until this happens to somebody on your team, you might not care. But the way we're headed, it's going to happen to somebody on your team on one yeah. side or the other. Or it could happen to you. 
if you're the clown who runs out there in somebody's face with a cell phone and mocks them and they decide they're going to prove to you that's not a good idea. Sorry about you. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And so we'll we'll get those as well here at 918-262-5072. <clears throat> the Drop the Treatment Clinic of Oklahoma text line inside the Tulsa Oilers Hockey Studio. Before we do, I want to get to this again one more time, though. I don't know if you saw or not, but what a great time of year. God, what a great time of year. With basketball going on, football spring ball is not that far away, and then we got softball and baseball. And in Oklahoma, they go out to the Mary Nutter Classic. <laughs> it's just funny. 9-3 over Mississippi State, 10-2 over Wisconsin, 7-0 over San Diego State, 8-0 over Seattle, 9-0 over Loyola Marymount. <laughs> and there's just, some, there some good teams in that. Yes, yes, there are. But there's a difference between good and Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Uh, then in OSU, they beat Yale 10-1. They beat Pitt 1-0. They beat Loyola Chicago 6-0 that down in Florida. Then OSU Baseball. They're down there in Arlington. They're Globe Life. They've got a really good three-game set. You've got Michigan, Arkansas, Oregon State. you got two top five teams in there. They beat Michigan 9-3. to Nice win just because it's Michigan. And then they have Arkansas, and they play the longest game in the history of Globe Life at this point, a 14-inning game. And we are in the 14th, <clears throat> in the bottom, and that's when Josh Holliday said, you know what, let's just win or go home, and he does this. Puts the punt down. Here's a squeeze, and the Cowboys win it. The marathon in Arlington is over in 14 innings. Oklahoma State. They win two to one on a walk-off bunt. <laughs> is that not the best thing uh, you've heard like in an forever? <laughs> yeah, a walk-off suicide squeeze bunt, Man. which, by the way, with you know with aluminum bats, sounded like he hit it 90 yards. But oh, and especially in Globe Life, yeah. from those college games when it's not full, yeah. and it just echoes, echoes right? like that. <laughs> And then Josh afterwards said, I was just tired of it. I mean, he said, we just figured, well, either going to, let's just try to win it rather than let the game come to us. We'll take the game. And that can be appreciated, right? Mm-hmm. Hell you know, yeah. That, to have that kind of attitude. Hell I think yeah, it is. Fans I mean, want that. Yes. Well, your team wants that. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's that's that requires some onions. <laughs> it really does. Yeah, that goes, look, that goes horribly wrong and you lose in 15 or whatever. Then what are fans going to say? What was he doing? Mm. What What are you thinking? That was stupid. It Instead, comes down to how it how it yes, plays out. Of course, it, it does. so much. Now and then they go on on, sa- on Sunday and, and they got lit up pretty good. But that's an mm. Oregon State team. They lost eight to one. That's a really good Oregon State team. But I think you know Josh said he told us last week we're going to find out who we are. Okay, what do you think they found out? I think they found out that they can compete at the highest level no matter what kind of games are, are coming their way, right? I mean, mm-hmm. against Michigan, you know, you had two top five teams in that field. Michigan wasn't ranked, but uh, able to get some good runs in against Michigan, but especially facing the second-ranked team in America and having a, a very low-scoring mm-hmm. defensive battle, going to 14 innings and be able to pull that one out. You know, uh, and then you face fourth-ranked Oregon State, and again, it's after two pretty tough games. Yeah. It feels like you're just kind of running out of gas. Uh, but I, I feel like they've shown that they can compete, uh, yeah. especially with the way fans probably felt after losing a series against the mid-major to start mm-hmm. the year. Yeah. Well, I think uh, I think it points to good things for them and for Oklahoma, too. I mean, they had four against Wright State, and they went 3-1, and one, outscored them 44-12 to 12 yeah, a lot overall. Of offense. <laughs> yeah, a lot of offense. They lost Sunday 12-2, but uh, there's a pretty good chance. I don't know. I a pretty good chance Skip didn't play everybody in that one either yeah. at the end of that series. Um, we talked about a couple other basketball wins with the Thunder one last night all those things, but I wanted to get to some of that stuff. I'm really happy for OSU baseball because we saw them. 
I just I know the time when good old Allie Reynolds, when it was still over there, not O'Brien, mm-hmm. but Allie Reynolds was just so electric with the Pete and Cavillias of the world and things like that. And not that they were have been horrible, they haven't been. But I'd love to see O'Brien really bouncing like it was last year and just continuing to do that. All right, it's the Blitz eleven seventy. It's eight thirty. He's Bryce Hulse. I'm Rick Corey. We the court storming. We have this text we'll get to from Byron and your text as well. If you think you can, I mean, if you can think of a way, he asks a really good question that I'll get to after this break right here on the Blitz 1170. Don't look now, but the Blitz is on TikTok. Follow along at the Blitz 1170. From the Oklahoma Sports Desk, it's time for a two-minute drill on the Blitz 1170 and streaming on the Blitz 1170 app. The Oklahoma City Thunder ran past the Houston Rockets 123-110 to last night. SGA led the Thunder with 36 points and Chet Holmgren added 29. This is the Thunder's fifth straight win, and it moves them to a tie with Minnesota for first place in the Western Conference. And the Tulsa Golden Hurricane took down the Charlotte 49ers with a comeback victory on Saturday, 69-67. Jared Garcia led the way with a 24-point performance against his old team. Next up for the Hurricane is a Wednesday road trip at UTSA for a 7 o'clock tip. Pre-game will start at 6.30 over on Big Country 99.5. That's the Wonder World of Tulsa 2-Minute Drill. I'm Bryce Hulse on the Blitz 1170 and streaming on the Blitz 1170 app. The Blitz 1170 weather provided by Community Care, your locally owned health plan. This is the Morning Blitz with Rick Corey. Want to get in the game? Call us up at 918-879-1170. We want to hear from you. If you do, you probably just say, what did that idiot just say? Because I was all over the place there. Sorry. That's what happens when you're multitasking all the time. And unfortunately, I have a brain that does that all the time. It doesn't all the time handle it. Go, go, go. But it does that all the time. It's why I wake up so early. I I literally wake up at... 12 30 1 o'clock in the morning with a thought in my head of something i need to write down right there oh i should do it that way i mean i don't know why this stuff wakes me up but it does or i'll be sitting here during the break and you may think i'm just sitting here during the break but no i'm doing other mm-hmm. things you know and sometimes going to and from the little broadcaster's room sometimes sometimes researching sometimes writing and i was looking at something else when i was trying to say something and doesn't always that work is. now, does it? <laughs> uh, we have some text to respond to uh, here at 918-262-5072. But I saw a piece of video that reminded me, too. Did you see the video of that four-year-old coach in basketball this weekend? I did. I saw clips of it. <laughs> all right. So first of all, is that kid, was that not the absolute, I mean, he looks like a college coach or an NBA coach. Going, you think he was doing all that just on purpose, or you think he was mocking, was not mocking, but parroting, because, I mean, when he goes down, he's got the clap, and he hits the one knee, he got the elbows out. I mean, for God's sake, that looks like an adult shrunk down. He's got the mannerisms down, which means, I mean, it's almost kind of creepy, right? I mean, it's almost like uh, the way you feel about the E-Trade baby. It's almost too <laughs> It's almost too real. Like he's, like, he's a little bit too good at it. He's obviously, like, parroting, but yep. it's like... I mean, he really got it down. His name is Christopher Bess. His dad is Reginald Bess. He's the basketball coach at Tarboro High School. His other son's a 14-year-old freshman. So the four-year-old, Christopher, he goes along. And it shows him in, I mean, he's sitting out front in his, uh, with his dad, and he's doing exactly the same things dad does. And so even during the game, when his dad's sitting down, he's rolling up and down the sidewalk doing, or sidelines doing it. And I'm looking at, I'd seen it and looking at him now, there are pictures of him at home, the four-year-old, and he's sitting in a little tiny four-year-old desk 
yeah. in front of a nice set of, of um, um, cabinets and things. And here's what's funny. So he's looking at the video screen, which is basketball. This is, happens to be the Knicks in Boston. And he's he's got a big marker out, and he's making notes. I mean, he's got a large sheet of paper, and he's writing stuff all over this paper. But here's what makes this whole thing funny. I'm not sure if they have other kids or not, because he's just four, right? Right. But if you look at the cabinets, there's the TV, and there's some memorabilia, and then there are cabinets below it with drawers and things. They've got child locks on them. <laughs> so the kid... I mean, <laughs> Still they, a kid. They have to lock up the stuff in the cabinets, but he's coaching some hoops. <laughs> it's like just just when you think that he's uh, mature enough in other areas of his life, he's not quite there yet. Oh, oh I hope they don't have anybody younger than him because that would, mm. this makes it so much more perfect. Yeah. If a two year old waddles in, like, all right, that's too bad. <laughs> he can coach basketball, but we can't trust him in the cabinets yet. <laughs> Oh, God, why does that make me laugh? All right. Uh, so it's 838 here on the Blitz 1170. <laughs> uh, I'm a bad man. All right. So we were talking about court storming, and I got really irritated about it because it does really irritate me for a lot of reasons. And it's not just court. It's, it's you know, it's fields as well. And Bryce made a point earlier when we took the break about fines. Yeah, the ACC does not have a uh, fining uh, system and is structured for for their schools. And that's what the SEC has Mm -hmm. um, that you've seen in football. And I remember very famously when Tennessee rushed the field after beating Alabama, I I can't remember exactly what position he was, but I think it was a donor was in one of the suites for Tennessee Mm -hmm. and somebody was filming and they like turned the camera over to him. They're like, you know, how about basically just saying like, how about that? And he said, yeah, I'll I'll foot the bill, you know, or "I'll, I'll pay for it. And so it's like, even with the fine finding in place, you see that a lot of times where some of the big money donors, they just get together and just foot the bill. But still, I think it's pretty amazing that the ACC doesn't even have anything like that in place just yet. I, yeah, I, I can't imagine there's not a situation in athletics yet that hasn't been paid by a booster, yeah. you know, for the mm-hmm. most part. So when they, like, how much does it really do? I understand. Right. But. So in, in the case of football, they do. They'll, they'll find 100, 200,000, 150,000, whatever. And most of the time, those are, that's going to be, Picked up by boosters. I don't know what they do in college basketball when it comes to fines or any of those. I'm really not sure. But we know that earlier in the year, Caitlin Clark got clipped, and you know, and she was okay. And we know Kyle Filipowski of Duke got hit this last time against Wake Forest over the weekend. And initially, it looked like a, it looked pretty ugly the way his knee took that. And you can slow this film down, and I've seen that too. And look, everybody wants to hate Duke and Filipowski. I understand. I really do. Even though I'm a fan of Duke. I get it. I understand why. I'm okay with that. That's cool. Uh, but, the, you know, the people is like, oh, Filipowski was initiating the contact and all that. Look, there are people running toward him and he put his arms up. Well, yes, he did to try to protect himself. He didn't put his arms up and charge toward a fan. So I, I'm going to discount that completely. And then he ends up getting hurt and spun around uh, and hopefully not terribly bad. They just saw him with ice on his knee. I haven't heard any update. Yeah. And, and my point is this has to end. So, you know, I said, what do we do here? And we get, I got a text from Byron. It says at 918-262-5072, it said college basketball wants court storming. Let's not fool ourselves. Sure, players can get hurt, but the powers that be want the optics to get people to come to games. Attendance is an issue, and the feeling of excitement is what, excitement is what everybody wants to sell. I fear for players, but doing this is part of the game now. 
And my response was, I agree, but I think there needs to be a way to make it safe. And his response, and here's the good question, how do you make something spontaneous safe? Mm. Now, that's a really good question. However, to your previous point, if they want this, it ain't spontaneous. If this is what they're after, it's not spontaneous. If they expect it, it's not spontaneous. Does it happen every time? No. I get it. However, but you if, can kind of gauge. Hell yeah. You know, of course you can. What's going to happen? Of course you can. If, what have I been a part of? Tulsa Duke. So let's go back mm-hmm. to Duke. Back in Doug's day, 2009, I think it was, or 10, I can't quite remember. Uh, Tulsa's out there, only down by seven at the half, plays really well against what is the uh, the, the eventual national champions. You know, Shire was on that team. The current mm-hmm. head coach was the point guard. Uh, and it ended up getting beaten by, I don't know, 16-17. Let's say they win. Now, that one's at Duke, so you're not going to rush the court, so you'd have to turn that around, so that was stupid. Uh, I don't know. Let's just say well, somebody, on, on, you know, what would have happened at GIA? That's exactly what I was about to think. I mean, even though it's not necessarily a big upset, mm-hmm. it's the final bedlam for the foreseeable future, right? right? Had that shot not gone, what would have happened there? Could uh, you have anticipated that? Yes. Yeah. So to your point, there is some spontaneity, I know. But if if during a game you feel that, and administrators are paying attention, at least most of the time, and that's why they're, they're all there. If you feel that and you feel that boiling and coming, shouldn't you have a plan in place? Now, my idea was simply, tell me if this is stupid. My idea was simply in basketball, and I saw this as not my – actually, not, I, let me just say I'm passing along because that wasn't really my idea. I saw it by Twitter. And that is, look, let's give them two minutes, three minutes to clear the court. So as soon as the game ends, and you can make these announcements all day. They're always going to be yahoos who ignore it. You can make these announcements before game. You can line up security. You can hire more security, whatever it takes, and then tell people, look, you can have the court, but you got to give them three minutes to get off. Now, that's not what the fans want because they want to go interact with their team and they want to go harass the other team. Yeah, more of them want to go interact with their team. I, I, let's be honest. We're I don't want to paint fans as all bad jerks, but there are going to be some who want to run up to somebody with a cell phone or just whatever and jump in their face, mm-hmm. which I've never understood because you realize those people play college whatever and you don't. You may be out yeah. there and you know playing whatever it is you play on the weekends and doing really nicely, but there's a reason you're not out there. <laughs> so I would be pretty careful about who I choose to approach and decide to get you know, saucy with. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a little stupid to begin with, but then emotion sometimes overcomes intelligence sometimes, please. <laughs> that's a hold my beer and watch <laughs> this moment right there. But if you have a way to be able to shut that down and give them three minutes to get off, then if your players want to stay and interact, that's fine. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you that coach is going to want his guys off or his girls or off the court or off the field. That coach is not going to want them involved in that. Yeah, But if that's, you know, if a player wants to stay, cool. But give them that time. Now, in football, it would probably take 5 to 10 because the players go and they, 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 lead, they lead the band and they see the fight song. I'm not as worried about it in football because those players are padded up and they can take care of themselves pretty easily. Basketball players can too, but if somebody gets, you know, as you mentioned in the Filipowski, uh, that, that video, he gets hit by the one guy and then he gets pushed from behind by somebody else. Well, you don't see that. Mm-hmm. coming and you know if you're 6'10 
uh, then you know it's not it's it's a little harder to not just go boom and fall over. Now he spun around and didn't fall, but I worry more about it in basketball. I would worry about it in say softball. Yeah, tight quarters. Yeah, I, I wouldn't worry about it a lot in baseball because they have bats and things. <laughs> it does concern your, your, your me more. Is like they can defend themselves yeah, more than likely. Yeah, uh, but in basketball, it does worry me. It, mm. it does concern me a little bit, and we've seen it a couple of times this year already. So I agree. You know, that it's quote unquote spontaneous, yet it's really not well you know one thing that i kind of thought about too and you know i understand that you're just kind of passing this along as as a possible good idea so this isn't necessarily a way to say ah but there's this instead do you think that there's a possibility that if you kind of give that two minute or five minute barrier that people go home (laughs) i mean i mean honestly that that it kind of dies down a little bit depending on you know if it's a big enough victory maybe not but i kind of feel like if you give that small time for the you know mm-hmm. teams to you know interact a little bit say good game and then go on their merry way and then you set release for everybody it's almost kind of like all right now the emotion the adrenaline kind of went down a little bit and we're just kind of <laughs> i feel like at that point you might just see a small contingent of students just kind of jog into the center court and just be like yeah all right you know maybe it's, maybe cause yeah. it, cause it, it's a little bit different of a feeling than just if that final buzzer hits and everyone going after it, as opposed to, all right, five minutes afterwards and it's kind of cleared out a little bit, then it kind of feels weird almost. So I'm just saying that could be a possibility. It's So it's basically a collective giant crowd version of counting to 10. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, what you're saying, and that could that could happen. It, it could quote unquote damper the enthusiasm, but in a, and again, I know that sounds like I'm saying that's a problem necessarily, but I just think that that could happen, and maybe that's maybe that's maybe a part a of what makes thing. it. Yeah, exactly. Maybe that's a part of what makes it a good idea. Yeah. I don't know, I, I, and I don't know how you'd really pull it off because you, you're not if you don't have more security than you have initially than just keeping them off for what you request for five minutes. Now, one of my other ideas was, look, we're going to keep it clear. And, and basketball can probably be faster. It can probably be like three. So let's say that we're going to keep the, the court clear for three minutes, and you're going to tell those people, look, even if we can't stop you and you get on the floor, we are going to find out who you are, and you are banned from this arena for the rest of your life. Life. Mm. You can, you know, I can, don't come back at 40 and say, you know, I was stupid. I made a mistake. Tough. You're done. I, I just We're taking thumbprints. Yeah, because it, it's it's all right now. That sounds like a stupid idea. As soon as someone gets seriously hurt, or as soon as a fan gets dropped on their head and ends up with a broken neck because some some player's not going to take it, then we're going to all say, "Well, why didn't we do something?" Yeah, I mean, you have to make an example, right? Why didn't we do something? We knew this was coming. That's gonna that hue and cry will happen. Yeah, because we love to be. I told you so's. Mm-hmm. All I'm saying is I think something's got to happen. If you have a way out, let me know at 918-262-5072. 848 Blitz 1170. That, by the way, is the Neuropathy Treatment Clinic of Oklahoma text line. I'm Rick Corey. He is Bryce Hulse. Got a couple of notes to pass along, including, honestly, I have a new restaurant you have to try. Mm. You have to try. In town? Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Not, not far. I got a new restaurant you have to try. But there's a caveat, <laughs> and, I, and I'll explain the caveat when we come back. Oh, and also, I've just been texting back and forth with Tom Gilbert, our beer expert. You know, he, he the What's the Ale blogger. Yeah. Uh, Tom uh, is our beer guy, so I asked him about Aikman beer. So I think we'll schedule Tom for Friday 
We, because he'll have a chance to give it a shot, and we'll talk about the Aikman beer and also changes because by that time it'll be March 1st, which means we can officially talk about St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> yeah. So we'll do that with Tom, but I'll tell you what I found out about Aikman's beer coming up next year on the Blitz 1170. You can take the Blitz with you everywhere you go. Get in the game everywhere with the Blitz 1170 app. From the Oklahoma Sports Desk, it's time for a two-minute drill on the Blitz 1170 and streaming on the Blitz 1170 app. Oklahoma State baseball went 2-1 and one at Globe Life Field over the weekend. The Pokes beat Michigan 9-3 on Friday, second-ranked Arkansas 2-1 in 14 innings on Saturday, then dropped their last game against fourth-ranked Oregon State last night 8-1. The Cowboys will be at Dallas Baptist on Tuesday. OU baseball had a successful weekend going 3-1 against Wright State. They won the first three matchups by a combined score of 44-12 before dropping the final game 12-2. Next up for the Sooners, it's a matchup with the Pitt Panthers in Vegas on Friday. That's the Winter World of Tulsa 2-Minute Drill. I'm Bryce Hulse on the Blitz 1170 and streaming on the Blitz 1170 app. Blitzing up your mornings. This is the Morning Blitz with Rick Corey. Want to get in the game? You can always join in by texting us at 918-262-5072. And we hope you do that. 918-262-5072, our neuropathy treatment clinic of Oklahoma text line. Bryce Hulse in the next room. I'm Rick Corey. Uh, I got a, a text back here from Byron after I'd, I'd given what I thought was somewhat of a solution on court storming. He said, I just don't see it being changed much. What I do see is that in games where there isn't a last-second attempt to win, by the losing team, coaches are going to be instructed to remove key players or only have one player on the court to finish the game. When the atmosphere is right for the emotion, it's going to happen, and we may as well get ready for the worst to occur. Mm. Yeah, you know, while you might be inevitably right, Byron, I I hope not. I hope there's a way, even whether if it's not the one I saw and that I'm proposing, which is give them three minutes to get off, I just hope that the, that we're not headed for the problem that, that I think we're headed for yeah, just some and, sort of solution. And when it sounds too like he kind of expects, look, it's going to happen. We're yeah. just going to have to be ready for it to happen. Mm-hmm. Which is, that's too bad. Eight fifty three here on the Blitz eleven seventy. All right, I mentioned a new restaurant. So yesterday, and, and, and like I know we don't, I talk a lot about food, but <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, yeah. So on Sundays we try to do lunch together. All of us we try to go to lunch somewhere together, and it's been harder with Lindsay lately because of all the medications she's on and because of what we're doing with the proton therapy. But we decided, you know what, we're going to get out. We want to get out and get her moving a little bit, and we're going to go somewhere. Well, I'd read about a new place that's over by 21st and Sheridan, and that's over by where I, I grew up. And I thought, oh, cool, it took over for, I think, Miami Nights, which was a Cuban place, and we love Cuban food. So we go by over there, and it happened to be closed. All right, fine. So we're driving, just driving down 21st Street, and we were going to head over somewhere else. And as we're driving by 21st and Memorial, we get on to the east, and I see this restaurant. And in the window, it says, all I saw was Honduras. Well, we love Honduran food, too, mm-hmm. in El Salvador and Guatemala, all those cuisines we're big fans of, which is a lot like Cuban, really. So we whip around and go into this little tiny strip center, and there's a place called the Rincón de Honduras. And so we walk in, and we are the only people speaking English. And I mean the only people speaking English. And we sit down, very small joint, smells good, food looks good, really authentic. There is not a single word of English on the menu. Oh, man. None of it. It's all in Spanish. I mean, I've, we there are a lot of places like we like the Peruvian restaurant, and they have it in multiple languages, so you still have English on the. Now, I have been, and Christine is with me as well, my wife. 
we have been to restaurants before where nobody speaks your language. Now, yep. there's one in Orlando that's Cuban. There's that way. There's uh, there's a, at least one or maybe two that in L.A. we've been to mm-hmm. and some others where nobody speaks your language. Was, was it one of the ones <clears> that you mentioned that you're asking about the, if the Angels players played? or uh, Yeah, although, there? I was mean, that, the, the one guy did speak option, English. Right? Yeah, he just didn't know. I mean, the menu was in English, right? Okay. So, you, so you did. This menu... Zero English on this menu at all. Now, you know pollo is chicken, you know carne asada is steak, and you know pesco is fish. Mm-hmm. So you can work your way through some things, but we're we're kind of rapidly looking up other things on our phone trying yeah. to order here. Let me just tell you, though, that when it came down to it, she got the Honduran breakfast, and it, and she made an O face. I mean, it was <laughs> it was that kind of good. Oh, my. It was yeah. just tremendous, and mine was as well. So then today I went and I looked at their website. And I thought to myself, dummy, just hit Google English. Mm, yeah. And so I did. Now, when you go to their menu, all it is is a gallery, though. But you know what? That helps, too, because basically at a place like that, what we generally do is go and sit and watch the food coming out before you order and then start to <laughs> point at stuff. Let me just tell you, if you like that kind of Latin American, Middle Eastern, not Middle Eastern, Latin American, um, Caribbean kind of a mix of things and really very down-home Hispanic. It was it was fantastic. Okay. Everything all three of us had was fantastic. It's ridiculously affordable. Um, it just, it's great. Uh, it's, I, I wanted to point that out before I moved on because I know, I know people here can be looking for new things and that one that one was really pretty cool. Yeah. All right, all right. So I said I had other notes here. Let's let's do this. Did you see the um, the SNL rock bottom gambling skit? No, I didn't. I saw clips here and there because I like Shane Gillis. Yeah. But. Well, he 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 started rough. I'll tell you that because I'm I'm an SNL fan. I still watch, and I know mm-hmm. you go, "It's jump the shark." I don't care. I like live TV, so I'll watch. <laughs> uh, and it, it the monologue was not great, but they had some nice moments. But there's a I want to play it tomorrow. It's called Rock Bottom Kings. And basically what it is, it's a takeoff of DraftKings, is that you're not betting on the game. You're betting on when your friend hits the low moment, and they're betting. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's really clever and well done. And I, I want to make sure I that, get, get that one to you tomorrow. All right. Uh, something to note when you're filling out your brackets in a few weeks. For eight years in a row in basketball, the national champion has ranked eight or better for Ken Palm on February 23rd. So that was right. that was Friday, right? Yep. February 23rd. Top eight by Ken Palm right now. Houston, Purdue, Yukon, Arizona, Auburn, Alabama, Tennessee, and Duke. Duke. Oh, wow. Those are your top, according to Ken Palm. That has been the last eight national champions. It's going to be interesting to see what makes me bet against Houston because right now I don't see it. <laughs> For me personally. Uh, they've been they've had their moments. Uh, mm-hmm. There are only eight teams with winning records in quad one, winning records in quad two, and zero losses outside the first two quadrants. Those teams. Houston, Purdue, Baylor, mm. Iowa State, Wisconsin, UConn, Creighton, till last night, Marquette. Man, oh, man. I mean, the, the, the and it, so once again, we're looking at things that have been predictors 
would you have thrown Wisconsin in there? Would you have thrown some of those others in no, there? No, I would not have. It is. Ah, I love these notes at the end of the show. All right. So basically, want to tell you, got to get over to Rincon if you like really, really good true uh, Hispanic food. But <laughs> I you know what? I told Christine right there, I felt stupid. Why didn't I use these seven weeks going to and from Oklahoma City to, well, the books on tape or, uh, <laughs> and, and learn, learn the language? Yeah. Why didn't I? Get, download one of those I, apps. I still have five to- five uh, five weeks of trips. I think I can do it. Don't it. All right. I'll see if I can get into that. Until then, thanks for joining us. A heck of a Monday here. Had a great time. Coming up next, Dan Patrick, followed by Rich Eisen in the show of Pop and Colby right here today on the Blitz 1170. Have yourselves a wonderful Monday.